Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Check this out. Illinois has recreational cannabis, right? What if you want to feel real good without getting high? And how about ordering it online and getting it right to your door? Well, there's this company, Mineral. They do whole plant hemp oil formulations. It's like CBD, but it's more than CBD. Mineral grows the hemp in Colorado. They formulate the product in Colorado, and they create these organic all-plant formulations for anxiety, stress, inflammation, post-at-home workout, and get this, the sleep one. It's fantastic. So what makes them unique is they actually blend these plant components together, things that the body has, like fats and vitamins that actually increase the absorption and effectiveness. So you actually get to feel the benefit of these formulations, truly. The guy who founded the company, Mills is his name. He's coming on the show next week, and you're going to hear his story. He was in Peru. They tried to take out his colon, but he used cannabis oil to recover instead. I know, it sounds trippy, but wait till you hear his story. It's Mineral. It's a beautiful company, beautiful formulations. I love the balance. I love the sleep. It's MineralHealth.co. That's M-I-N-E-R-A-L-H-E-A-L-T-H dot C-O. And if you're listening to this podcast, and I know you are, you want to try their formulations, then use code CHICAGO15. That's Chicago spelled out in the number 15. That's C-H-I-C-A-G-O-1-5. You do that, you'll get 15% off your first order. That's 15%. That's only available for listeners of the podcast. So use that code. Thank you, Mineral. And thank yourselves, too, because you're going to love this stuff. Cannabis without the high. That's correct. My next guest, the pride and joy of WVON, Atiba Buchanan. Welcome to the show, Atiba. Hey, hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me. I'm doing well, uh, considering the fact that my beloved Bernie Sanders dropped out of the race today. Everybody knows I supported him. Everybody knows I voted for him. We'll get into all that, Atiba. But before we do that, tell folks about your uh, show, when they can hear it, and uh, what are some of the issues you've been talking about? Absolutely. So I'm the host of the Buchanan and Seaton show on WVON AM 1690, the talk of Chicago. We air Friday nights between nine and midnight. And, uh, you know, last week we talked about uh, poverty and the coronavirus. And we touched a bit on just trying to help the most vulnerable among the uh, people who are living below the poverty line, the homeless and people that are in jail and how it, how it is important to uh, take care of those that can't take care of themselves because we're all in this together. Um, you know, it's, it's definitely a show that promotes uh, progressive values, um, and that's what we try to do. All right. And uh, the Seton in that name is David Seton, uh, a TV became He's my co-host and friend. Yes, co-host and friend. And uh, would folks know who have heard David on my show, he's come on as well, 
Uh, he is uh, a Democrat, but he's more of the conservative persuasion when it comes to Democrats. He's, uh, I, I would call him a Biden Democrat, and as such, he's probably out celebrating right now. Uh, Bernie Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that sound of hallelujah is, is David Seaton uh, racing through the streets of whatever town he lives in. So happy that Don, uh, Joe Biden is now the uh, nominee. I'm sort of teasing. Yeah. Uh, Atiba, on the other hand, is more of a uh, Bernie a Democrat. Wouldn't that be accurate to say that, Atiba? To say the least. Yeah. And uh, so let's talk a little bit about, uh, uh, let's put David Seaton to his side and his joy. I'm not feeling sure. the joy right now. Uh, this is, I guess, a vulnerable moment for me. Uh, if I could use this moment to confess to you as though you're my therapist, Atiba. I supported Bernie Sanders, and I believed that Bernie was just a positive, powerful force for the Democratic Party uh, to try to do just like the right things, ideologically speaking, in terms of stuff like health care for all. And um, the fact that he lost and had to step back and allow Joe Biden uh, to be the nominee hurts me in a couple levels. Number one, I think Biden, I, I think Bernie would have a better chance against Donald Trump. Uh, but I also don't want the Democrats uh, to drop all the issues that he's been advocating. How do you see things? Okay, well, I, I hate to bring David back up, but he and I did have a very spirited conversation about this some time ago. I think it was after the Super Tuesday where Bernie Sanders lost Illinois. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I was trying to express to David and, and again to any type of Biden Democrat that you like to call it, Bernie has always had all this pressure to corral his voters around the candidate because they always felt like he wouldn't be the eventual nominee, which is fine. What I was explaining to David was there should be just as much, if not more, pressure on Joe Biden to reach out to Sanders voters to, to let them know that their issues are important to him. And David's response was, well, you don't get to write the history books if you lose the, the war. Hmm. And I said, at the same, I said, that may be true, but at the same time, you don't get to ask someone for their vote and then tell them but the things that you want are important. So right now, again, the pressure is on Joe Biden. It's not on Bernie Sanders to corral his voters. He can't make anyone do anything. It is up to Joe Biden, however, to show that he is, that he is understanding the issue that Bernie's supporters were uh, rooting for and, and, and find important, and that he's going to find some type of compromise to make sure that those things are part of his legislation. That's the only way that he's going to effectively get the, the percentage of Bernie voters that he needs to hopefully win an election. Well, I, I'm going to take it a step further. I know Bernie voters very well. I've been talking to Bernie voters pretty much my whole life, even before they were Bernie voters, Atiba. And there's just going to be a portion of Bernie voters who are not going to vote for Joe Biden. And that's a fact. And yeah, about 10%. What's that? I say yes, about 10% based Ten, on 2016 yeah, projections. Absolutely. Based on 20 and, and And these are all estimates based uh, on exit poll surveys, which are questionable in and of themselves. But let's just say that 10% is a ballpark figure is accurate. You're, you've lost that vote. You're not going to get that vote. So... The propensity, the you know, of uh, of of 
Biden Democrats to just to rip Bernie <laughs> and his voters. It's just misguided. It's it's like energy expended uh, to no point because you're not going to get ten percent of the Bernie voters. You agree with me on that? Absolutely, and it's it's unrealistic for anyone to ever think that they're going to get a hundred percent of any voting block. Um, and, and, and it's funny because we only try to quantify and measure Bernie's voters. But there's no guarantee that Joe Biden will get a hundred percent of Kamala Harris voters. There's no guarantee he'll get a hundred percent of Mike Bloomberg voters. There's, there's no guarantee that he that he gets a hundred percent of any former candidate voters. For whatever the reason, everybody just tends to focus on what are standard supporters going to do. Well, well, I know the reason. I mean, for whatever reason, it's because Bernie Sanders uh, supporters uh, have an ideology that's far different than, let's say, Kamala Harris supporters or Michael Bloomberg supporters. And that ideology threatens uh, a portion of the Democratic Party. And that's why they've been so upset at Bernie from the get-go. I mean, he literally is crashing the party. The Democrats have, uh, you, you know, at their convention, Atiba, they make this pitch that they believe they have these core values that they believe in and they'll bring out uh, great Democrats of the past, FDR, JFK, you know, to uh, sort of celebrate uh, those values. And then it comes to an election, <laughs> you kind of run away from those values. So I think uh, what alienated Bernie supporters from mainstream Dems and vice versa is that Bernie supporters were out front about what they believed in and, and, and were very specific about what they believed in, for instance, uh, a national health care for all. Absolutely. And, and here's the other thing I, I'd like to add to preemptively is that if Joe Biden loses, and I, and I pray to God that he doesn't, let me be clear, I'm voting for Joe Biden to get Um And I, as you know, I am a Bernie supporter, but I, again, like nine and 10 Bernie supporters, I'll be voting for Joe Biden. Yeah. My point is this, though. In 2008, 15% it's 14, actually. 14% of Hillary Clinton voters voted for either John McCain or didn't vote at all. And Barack Obama won in a landslide. And nobody ever talks about that 14% of Hillary voters that did not vote for him. Why? Because he won and he built a coalition large enough that it didn't matter. I hope that Joe Biden takes a page from that book. Let's not talk about you know, you and I both know. Since twenty sixteen, we've heard nothing but well, if that ten percent of Bernie voters had voted Hillary, she would have won. I don't want to hear that in twenty twenty. I don't want to hear anything about why Biden may lose, other than I don't want to have to do anything with Bernie supporters. So I hope that Joe Biden builds a coalition like Barack Obama that taking into account that he's not going to get that ten percent of Bernie voters that he's able to then win in spite of. All right, now let's deal with uh, some of the issues that Biden's confronting uh, and get your thoughts on this. By the way, I've still not dropped my dream, my fantasy, if you will, that uh, some Democrat other than Biden will be at the top of the ticket, uh, uh, that uh, the Democrats will come to their senses and the powers that be in the party will gently uh, encourage Joe Biden to step aside. But let's deal with the two uh, big issues with Joe Biden. And number one has to do uh, with his mental capacity. I don't know how else to put it. And my uh, mainstream Dems, 
my friends, I have many uh, David Seaton-like uh, Democrats uh, in my life, as do you, Atiba, uh, who get really upset with me when I bring this up. But Joe Biden has had several moments on the campaign where it looks as though he his mind is vacant. We don't know where it is. Uh, he stumbles. We all stumble at times. N- none of us can coherently finish a sentence. We start 100% of the time, myself included. I understand that. Uh, but Joe Biden has mental gaffes that exceed anything uh, any presidential candidate uh, on the Democratic ticket I've ever seen have. How worried are you about this particular issue? I'm less worried about it. Um, I think it. I think it's a concern. And, you know, he could be a Rhodes Scholar, and Donald Trump will try and portray him as someone who's less intelligent. I mean, look, look how Donald Trump spoke with Barack Obama, and Barack Obama is arguably the most eloquent, one of the most eloquent presidents we've ever had. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that, uh, that part of it I'm, I'm less concerned about. I'm, I'm more concerned about the enthusiasm gap. And I don't want to get ahead of you, but I, I'm not concerned about, I'm, not, I'm less concerned about that. A lot of it, a lot of it, soon people take into account. A lot of his gas, people say, oh, that's Joe being Joe. So, you know, so a lot of people, because he's done that for so long, mm-hmm. you know, it, you know, I, I don't know that it's going to be as impactful as, as, it, as it, and now don't get me wrong, from a practical perspective, it concerns me. But from a political perspective, I don't know how, how harmful that's going to be. Uh, you make a distinction, political versus practical. What do you mean by that? I just wonder how sharp it is. You know, putting politics aside, I just wonder at age 78, at, at, at four, five decades in politics as either a congressman, a senator, or whatever he's been, vice president, I, I don't know that for the next eight years, like, I, I just don't see him serving two terms. I'm concerned about, you know, him at age 78, given where he is mentally now, how he's going to look at eight at 82, at 85. So, I mean, there's a strong possibility that he'll win and just run one term and, and, and see it, you know, and maybe his vice president runs uh, in 2024. I don't know, but I, I just, you know, eight, eight, he does not have eight years written on him right now. Yeah. Listen, I say this, my concern, I, it's funny, I have a different concern. Uh, I have a concern about him being able to consistently and cogently make a message that appeals to American voters uh, to get enough of them to vote for him. I guess I am cynical uh, when it comes to our leaders. Uh, Atiba, I believe that, first of all, George Bush didn't run the White House. Baby Bush, I'm talking about. uh, Cheney ran the White House. So the capacity of the president didn't really matter because the vice president was calling the shots. I lived through the Reagan years. In the second term, Ronald Reagan, in my humble opinion, was already starting to lose it to uh, Alzheimer's. So probably Daddy Bush was running the White House then, or Oliver North. I don't even know who was running the White House in the second uh, Reagan term. Donald Trump's a lunatic. He's completely inconsistent he can't finish people make fun of joe biden because he can't finish a sentence doesn't seem to know where he's going donald trump can't finish a paragraph without completely contradicting himself so if it gets down to an issue of mental capabilities i don't even think it matters that much in a president because i assume that there will be what aides advisors consultants sort of running the operation if you will so I don't share that concern 
about him running in the White House. I'm just, <laughs> I don't know how he's going to get this through this election. That's what I'm worried about. Yeah, but both of us have the same concern. It's the it's the enthusiasm. Yeah, uh, I just I, because because he does not represent any policy, any particular policy with any degree of fervor. So again, if you ask the average, even the average Joe Biden supporter, if you ask them, hey, what is the one thing that you know Joe Biden will take care of day one in, in his first term as president? You, you either get no answer or answers all over the place. If you ask the same question of Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders, people will be able to say within within two policy initiatives, they may they, they be able to, to have some consensus as to what that person is going to, to, to take care of. Joe Biden doesn't have anything that he's championed. So what is it that people are going to rally around? The only thing that he has right now is that he's not Trump. And unfortunately for him, that's not going to be enough for some people. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's I'll put him for the sake of this conversation. Put aside my fantasy that uh, Barack Obama comes up to uh, uh, Biden and encourages him to leave and they appoint somebody uh, to run in his place who's a little more competent. Well, let me say this real quick. When, this is what came to mind when you said that. Joe Biden said, I think he was a lucky star that Governor Cuomo is not looking to run. Do you think that, uh, well, obviously, uh, you, you had me pause there for a moment because I was trying to think, is there any way possible that uh, Cuomo could just announce he's running? No, the answer is no. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Cuomo, and, and I say this, I've said this on the show already uh, several times, Atiba, uh, Andrew Cuomo's to the left of me. I mean, I'm, I'm to the left of him. He's to the right of me. And uh, I, I would have been against him pretty much every election, every Democratic primary, at least the last one uh, in New York. But, yeah, he's exceedingly competent uh, in the face of this crisis, and he would be a far superior president uh, to Donald Trump. So I would welcome him. He's, at, he's on my—I did a fantasy top five of people I'd like to see uh, replace a Biden on the ticket today. Just, you know, I had Michelle Obama on that list. I had J.B. Pritzker on that list, and Andrew Cuomo's on it as well. I'm looking for competence and empathy. That's what I'm looking for right now as we're heading into this crisis and heading into a depression. Uh, or a recession. All right, so let's assume that, that that fantasy doesn't take place and Joe Biden is the nominee. It's so important uh, that his vice president becomes absolutely crucial and essential. Uh, who are some of the people you think he should consider uh, selecting to, as a running mate? Sure. Um, the top two people I would, I would say are Pamela Harris or Elizabeth Warren. Uh, I say Kamala Harris because it would it would it would be nice, considering that black people literally saved Joe Biden. <laughs> he had uh, a a black running mate, especially with him serving as the you know vice president to the first African American president. I mean, I'll be honest; it'd be nice to kind of see the favor return. It's the shot, and, and that goes without saying that Kamala Harris is completely qualified. She's qualified to be president, let alone. I think she would. I think she would be honest, um, and I think she would help bridge some of the enthusiasm gap that that he may be losing out on. Uh, I would also vote for Elizabeth Warren uh, because, and, and also, I'm sorry, one other benefit of Kamala Harris is her age. Yeah. Uh, so again, he'd, he'd, have, he'd have a younger, sharper running mate. Elizabeth Warren is 70 years old. However, she doesn't look her age. You know, she looks fantastic. Um, 
but again, she is eight years younger than him, but she is she has enough of a progressive voice again to help keep him honest and, and she is enough of a compromise that the progressive Bernie supporters could could possibly rationalize then a vote for Joe Biden when they otherwise might not. Have. Yeah. Maybe. Listen, I'm with you with what you said at the top. Ten percent. You, right. You, oh, yeah, 10% of it. It's gone. They're not doing it. Yeah, they're not doing it. So you could put Bernie on the ticket, and they're not doing it. Uh, it's, oh, it's true. It's very true. You know, I know lefties, man. I've been a lefty my whole life. They're not doing it. Yeah. So I just, you know, David Seaton, if you're listening, and I know you are, just stop hectoring them. They're not going to go for uh, uh, Joe Biden. I like the Kamala Harris one. And again, I realize that uh, many of my lefty listeners uh, don't like Kamala Harris. She's got a lot of feet. Uh, there was a lot of opposition to her in the summer uh, from people who came on the show, you know, talked about her record as an attorney general in, in California. But uh, as I said before, I do not believe um, that the hardcore Bernie Sanders voters are going to be won over by whoever uh, Joe Biden picks. They're just so opposed to Joe Biden that they won't go with him. So I think Kamala Harris is a very a promising pick. And you're absolutely, let's just take a moment to talk about what you just said. Black voters saved Joe Biden's career. Go into that a little bit, Atiba. Yeah, sure. I mean, he had, you know, again, we have a very monolithic, almost white stock electorate in Iowa, and Vermont, and New Hampshire. And, and so, you know, Joe Biden did not necessarily poll well with a lot of those Democrats. But he came and he was, he had not won a state, had won very few delegates. Not only did he not win the state, he was coming in third and fourth. <laughs> so he was not faring well in the, in the delegate count. Come the first Super Tuesday with um, North Carolina, then we actually see black people show up in support. In the South, he pretty much ran the table amongst black voters and they brought him back to life. That's the reason, I mean, you have to look at it. Mike Bloomberg got into the race and spent half a billion dollars because it looked like Joe Biden was on life support. Yeah. And that was a reasonable assertion to make at the time. It wasn't until that the black folks spoke that Mike Bloomberg was able to say, oh, I don't have to pay any more money. Joe's got this. Let me go ahead and step back. So, yeah, definitely they, they, they were able to, uh, in mass, bring him back to life so and resuscitate his campaign. And, and, and again, he was operating on no money. I mean, he was winning states where he wasn't even able to spend any money because he didn't have it. Yeah. So. Well, I would favor Kamala Harris uh, in uh, for all those reasons. In fact, uh, one of the challenges I'm going to have for tomorrow's show that Dennis has already given me, I did my Fantasy Five uh, that uh, 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 people that uh, might replace uh, Joe Biden. Tomorrow I'm going to do my Fantasy Five vice presidential candidates. And he's already said he's going to uh, select a woman vice presidential candidate candidate. Uh, Running mate, so I'm going to uh, limit it to uh, women. But uh, Kamala Harris is definitely going to be uh, on that five. All right, uh, let's move on away from uh, Bernie and Joe Biden and talk about uh, what went down yesterday in Wisconsin. Uh, I urge anybody out there uh, to study this issue if they just to dissuade themselves of the notion that Republicans are a, a, are a party that Democrats can treat as their partisan partners. I think, yes, uh, Atiba, what went down in Wisconsin, uh, 
both in the, um, by the state reps and the state senators, the Republican state reps and state senators, and by the Republican appointees to various courts, indicates that the Republicans are in this game to win. They are. And I think, I think you know, as I hate you say what you said in the introduction to this, I'm, I was immediately thrust back to the beginnings of the Tea Party. And the reason I, I went back there was because when the Tea Party came about, you saw, you, you saw the beginning of a coalescence in the Republican Party. You also saw the beginning of the end of the Republican Party as we knew it. And that, that was the beginning of us beginning to understand that bipartisanship was over. You and I have discussed this before. I love Barack Obama, but one of his failings to me was his good and open heart. Because he really believed that he could work with, with uh, Republicans. And I don't know that he, and I think between, I think his naivete did not allow him to be as shrewd a decision maker as he otherwise would have been had he recognized earlier on the type of people that we are dealing with. Mm-hmm. We, are de- we are not dealing with people that have shame. We are not dealing with people that you can shame, again, because they don't have it. So if you cannot, so you can't throw, and we have found to prove this, you cannot throw uh, their past statements in their face. You cannot show them the errors of their hypocrisy. They don't care about any of that. And when you're dealing with someone that has no shame, that does not care about being able to show them their hypocrisy, you can't work with them. There is no compromise to be had. All that you can do is outvote them. With that said, they are looking to make sure that it is hard as possible for Democrats in general and black people specifically because they vote Democrat to not be able to vote and Wisconsin was Wisconsin was definitely proof of that. And, and the five four majority in the Supreme Court shows us how pivotal that, that Merrick Garland situation was. And what I meant earlier what I said about Barack Obama being naive. If he uh, if he if he was more shrewd, he would have been able to get a pick through and, he, and to your point then he would have forced their hand had he picked a black woman as as a candidate. But all those things come back for now. Yeah. Uh and this goes back to the vice presidential uh, selection. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, I've been pounding that drum for a long time. The Merrick Garland uh, selection, Barack Obama's naivete, uh, thinking that if he has a white man who's more or less a moderate justice, then Republicans will have no excuse to oppose him, as though Republicans <laughs> need an excuse. They're in it to win, you know. <laughs> they don't. They don't. I, I think back to Mitch McConnell saying, we need to let the voters decide. We're in the middle of a presidential election. And that was in February. Barack Obama, I mean, uh, Donald Trump could have a Supreme Court justice die November 1st. And they will rush through a candidate. You can bring up what he said last time, and Mitch McConnell would, would not care in the least. That's what we're dealing with. Yeah. We're dealing with people that have no change. You cannot change them, and we and we need to stop trying. And and the and the candidate they would rush through would most decidedly not be Merrick Garland. That's for sure. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. it, yeah. 
They wouldn't rush. They, they would not put up someone. Right. They would yeah. not rush someone that both sides could agree on. They would put up the biggest right wing hack they could find. Yep. Because Republicans play to win. Democrats play to run around and lose weight. I don't even know why Democrats play the game, uh, Tiba. They do such a terrible job of playing it. Uh, instead, of, Except for in the state of Illinois. I'm a, I'm a brief tangent. Michael Madigan, the master of the game. All you do is hear Republicans complain about him. Because he plays oh. the game like a Republican. He plays to win. And, uh, exactly. And then, you know, you get these dummy Democrats who, well, I'm, I'm against Madigan, too. Why? <laughs> He's the reason your party's in power. Anyway, don't get exactly. me talking about self-hating Democrats. All right. Talk about this. The, the, what you said was very revealing about Wisconsin. Um, they're very clear, Republicans in the state of Wisconsin. They want to make it as difficult as they can uh, for black people to vote. They're making that very clear because they figure that most black people, if they vote, will vote Democrat. At the same time, Donald John Trump is rocking around saying, hey, I'm the, the, the president that's uh, done the most for black people. It's completely inconsistent statements uh, that the Republican Party is delivering. Don't you agree? I, I agree wholeheartedly. That's, that's why I want to make that distinction because, you know, it's not necessarily that, you know, Republicans just don't want black people voting because they're black. It has well more to do with the fact that, you know, any Democratic candidate, at least for president, is going to get between 88 to 95 percent of the black vote. And that's why they do So they do the same thing with, you know, college-age, uh, college-age uh, high school children, but you know what I mean, young, young adults. Uh, they don't want them to vote because they're more likely to vote Democrat. That's why you can use a gun license to vote, but not your college ID. So, yeah, everyone that, that is likely to lean Democrat, they're going to find a way to find different Uh To that point, you have a clip that you sent us and you would like us to play uh, of Donald Trump talking about uh, voting through the mail. Uh, this is uh, State Exhibit A, Atiba Exhibit A of the inconsistencies of the uh, Republican Party and how they really don't care if they have a mixed message. D, you got that? All right, very good. Uh, we're going to play that tape. This is for, set it up a little bit, uh, Tiba. Where where did this come from? Uh, this was at the presser the other day. Um, I think it was yesterday, as a matter of fact, where you know where he allows reporters to then ask questions after he gives it a, a coronavirus briefing. I'm using air quotes. You can't see me because it's really not a briefing. It's, it's almost a a Trump uh, rally. But nonetheless. He gives them an opportunity to ask questions, and he was asked by a very stupid reporter, I forget her name, um, basically, what is his problem with mail-in ballots? And, he, you know, so he, he, you know, he basically has a problem with them because there's so much room for corruption. And then she very cleverly asked him, but didn't you use a mail-in ballot? <laughs> and, and he, of course, explained why it was different when he did it, but not good for the American people. All right, here it is. So you were highly critical of mail-in voting, mailing your mail-in ballots for voting. I think mail-in voting is but horrible. You voted by it's mail corrupt. in Florida's election last month, didn't yeah, you? Sure, I, I could vote by mail for the. How do you reconcile because I'm that? allowed to. Well, that's called out of state. You know why I voted? Because I happen to be in the White House, and I won't be able to go to Florida to vote. But let me just say, well, there's a big difference between. Somebody that's out of state and does a ballot and everything sealed, certified, and everything else. You see what you have to do with the certifications. And you get 
thousands and thousands of people sitting in somebody's living room signing ballots. There we go. It's uh, rules for thee, not for me, uh, as Dennis's <laughs> uncle Eldon would say it. Uh, it's okay when I do it. It's corrupt when somebody else does it. Uh, that's the message he's preaching. Um, I think there's a lot of what prejudice embedded in that. What is what is he trying? What message is he trying to send uh, to his uh, followers, Atiba, when he starts talking about thousands and thousands of people, uh, what cheating with these mail-in ballots? Yeah. So he's he's going right back to his uh, invalidated trope when he says that you know three million when Hillary won the general election by three million votes that it was mostly undocumented people that were voting. There's absolutely no evidence of that. And again, there's no evidence of, of undocumented people voting at all. Um, but with, with that said, he's going back to that trope, and he's going back to uh, again, you know, Democrat. And, and, and here's the funny thing. I'm sorry, it just came to mind. The funny thing is, the only fraud that has been proven with mail-in ballots was done by a Republican. That's, that's the hilarious part of all this, is that one person who has been caught and convicted was, was a Republican who was changing mail-in ballots to all Republicans. So, again, it is, it is and I'm sure that's not his concern. So, again, we, but you can't shame him. Into, you can't bring up his firework, his actions, because not only he's dismissive of it, but it, it genuinely doesn't bother him. Because he has to let So I get it. It's different when I do it. Yeah. And and again, the minute you challenge him, he's just going to call the reporter nasty and call it fake news, and then not answer the question. So again, that, you know, it just goes to show that his supporters are like him. There's nothing you can say that is going to sway these people. Matter of fact, if I could bring this up, I'm sorry, this just came to mind. I read an article today, Ben, that said there was a poll taken of about 1,900 people. And this is this is on the hill, by the way. This is an article in the hill, mm-hmm. so a reputable, you know, source. Nineteen hundred people in this poll, and fifty-two percent said that Barack Obama would handle the coronavirus better than Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. That's not the news story, because they said it was fifty-two to thirty-eight percent, and then it was like you know ten percent that didn't know or didn't have an opinion. But my point is, thirty-eight percent for Trump. That's his number. No matter what type of poll you do, no matter what you ask people, no matter how obvious the evidence is, 38% are going to be with this man, period. And what we have to do is be able to then, and, 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 and oh, sorry, the other reason I bring that up is it didn't vote, that, that same article didn't vote well for Biden, which is more important, because when they asked, will Biden do it, Trump actually beat Biden in that same poll. Mm. So while Obama beat Trump, Biden didn't. What, what, so what can we glean from that? Yes, answer your question. What can we glean from that? Well, again, that, that's my, my concern is the two things we can glean from the article is no matter how obvious the information, people are going, 38% of people are going to go with Trump. 38 to 40% is just in, it, in there. Yeah. My concern is Again, when people, while, while people may endear Joe Biden because he was Barack Obama, Barack Obama's vice president, they don't necessarily equate him with the same level of competence 
to the same level of enthusiasm. So, it, you know, what does it say that Barack Obama gets 52% and Joe Biden gets under 38? That, that, to me, that, that's something he should really be concerned about. And, and us as a party, we should really be concerned about in November. Well, Ed, you know, you're sounding like me about three months ago because <laughs> I was saying the same things to all the Biden people that came through. Uh, the yeah. notion that somehow or other Joe Biden is Barack Obama because Barack Obama chose him to be his wingman is ludicrous. Yep. And all the amazing... It doesn't, it doesn't yeah. necessarily carry on. Yes. So, like I said... Um, I've been doing this for so long in in the city of Chicago, uh, just like raising my fists in, in in disbelief and anger at what my fellow Chicago voters have done, and now I'm doing it on the national level. Atiba, I, when once this day passes, I'm going to do my best to move on to the next phase and be optimistic. But it's really hard because the point you made is a very good one. Somehow or other, Democratic voters thought that they were getting Barack Obama when they voted for his former running mate, and now they're waking up to realize, uh-oh. <laughs> uh-oh, there's a reason Biden was the, the vice president and Barack was the president. Big reason. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, all right, now let's close with this and um, more of a local, well, it's a national story as well, but uh, there's a, a local angle to this, and I'm sure you'll be discussing this on your show uh, on Friday. Yesterday's newspapers were filled with articles uh, about the astounding difference between the mortality rate among black people from the COVID-19 uh, illness compared to white people. I don't have the numbers in front of me uh, Atiba, but it was something like I, I forget seventy percent of the people who died in Illinois were black, even though they're far less uh, portion of the state's population. And I, as I said, I know you and David will undoubtedly be discussing this on your show on Friday. Uh, what are your thoughts about this 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 staggering difference uh, in death rates? To me, it was the, probably the least surprising news I heard this week. Um, you know. It's, there are people that will say, David, <laughs> that the, that the uh, coronavirus is not racist, which it is not. The coronavirus does not care about race, class, or any other of the divisions that we give ourselves. Um, Boris Johnson has it. <laughs> you know, uh, it, it does not matter to the coronavirus. Yeah. What the coronavirus did do, however, and what is racist, is that it exposed all the racist Systems that were in place before it hit. So, black people have worse health outcomes than whites in anything. There are, it's been documented. So, let me back up. Because people are getting this conflated. The articles have not said that black people are getting or, or being infected with coronavirus at a higher rate than anyone else. It said they're dying from yeah. So to me, that that means that there might be some disparity in the care that black people get after they infect. So if, if black people live, let's say black people in Rosewood, good, fine people, I'm sure. But I'm sure if you had to have a surgery, or the average white person had to have a surgery, they probably wouldn't elect to have it done at the hospital in Rosewood. Has nothing to do with coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Because those hospitals are not going to be at the same, they're not going to have the same resources, 
they're not going to offer the you can't offer the same level of care that let's say Elmhurst Hospital or uh, or or Edward Hospital in Naperville are. They're not going to be able to they're, they're not going to do that. So if if every other health outcome is worse for black people, why wouldn't coronavirus be worse? Like it's because the health system between redlining, healthcare redlining, which is the same, um, between all the, again, systematic things that are in place, then we're really not left with an option. We see that they're going, that they're dying at a higher rate. And that's what we need to address. We can't, we don't know what happens when black people go and complain of symptoms, how many actually get tested, how many actually have their symptoms taken seriously, how many are just sold in the home. We, what we do know is black women have a much higher rate mortality in childbirth, is it because they don't take their prenatal pills like white women? Probably not. It has more to do with the care or the lack of that they receive. So again, if, if, that, if that's systematically in place, then the coronavirus is only going to exacerbate and highlight those systematic inequities. That's Atiba Buchanan. He's co-host of Buchanan Seaton. One more time, Atiba, before I let you go, tell folks uh, where uh, they can find you on, on the radio. Sure. WVON AM 1690 um, and WVON.com, the air Friday night, 9 p.m. until midnight. Very good. Thanks so much, Atiba. Appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you, sir. Appreciate your time there. Always good talking. That's Atiba Buchanan. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.